Hello, and welcome to the Chess Journal Podcast, where each month we host a discussion with the authors of important articles from the current issue of the journal, adding context and commentary to the challenges facing clinicians in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce today's topic, here's your host, Dr. Gretchen Winter. On behalf of Chess, I would like to welcome you to this Chess Journal podcast. My name is Gretchen Winter, and I am your Chess podcast moderator. Thank you all for joining us today for a discussion with Dr. Olaf Schering. Dr. Schering and his colleagues wrote an article in the January 2021 Chess Journal, Higher versus Lower Oxygenation Strategies in Acutely Ill Adults, a Systematic Review with Meta-Analysis and Trial Sequential Analysis. Now, Dr. Shering is an Associate Professor of Clinical Medicine at Aalborg University in Denmark and a Senior Registrar in the Department of Anesthesia and Intensive Care at the Aalborg University Hospital, as well as a member of the Management Committee of the Handling Oxygenation Targets in the ICU Trial, also known as HOT ICU. Now, the office conducted a systematic review and meta-analysis and trial sequential analysis of randomized clinical trials looking at liberal versus conservative oxygenation strategies on a number of outcomes, including mortality, serious adverse effects, quality of life, lung injury, sepsis, and cardiovascular events. Dr. Sharing, to get us started, can you tell us what prompted you to ask this question and to pursue this research? Well, um, yes, um, first of all, thank you, Dr. Winter, for giving me the opportunity to, to participate in this monthly chest podcast. And um, regarding your opening question, um, what prompted us to do the research is, is the fact that, that oxygen is a medical drug and has been known for centuries. Uh, however, it may, be not, it may, may not be treated as a drug in general because uh, people are not very aware of the potential side effects. And, and for most people admitted to the, uh, the hospital, acutely admitted, um, oxygen supplementation seem more like a standard part of the package than, uh, than an actually drug with potential side effects and narrow therapeutic interval potentially. Um, so, so therefore, um, the debates surrounding uh, oxygenation, optimal oxygenation levels in uh, acutely ill patients and in the ICU where I work uh, have been, been, been quite, quite high because we don't know which is actually the, the optimal oxygenation targets. Um, and in, in this light, we, we plan to conduct a randomized control trial of higher versus lower oxygenation targets in ICU patients with high hypoxemic respiratory failure, and, uh, and led by, by our professor here in Aalborg, uh, Professor Bodistein Rasmussen. Um, and in the planning of this trial, we had to, um, to conduct a meta-analysis to, to establish the current evidence uh, on, in the literature. Um, and uh, in a collaboration with the Copenhagen Trial Unit, we, we registered a Cochrane meta-analysis on high-risk low oxygenation targets in uh, ICU patients. Uh, however, to ensure that we actually um, that we actually captured all relevant ev- evidence on the subject, we wanted to extend the um, the patient population to all, include 
all acutely ill patients admitted to the hospital. Um, however, uh, the Cochrane collaboration believed that this would be too wide a review. We did not agree upon this, so therefore we, uh, we decided to actually conduct two reviews, one for the Cochrane meta-analysis only including ICU patients, and then the current meta-analysis including all acutely ill uh, patients admitted to the hospital, uh, which, has now, uh, which are now going to be published in, in CHEST. Um, so overall, the aim was to clarify the, uh, the, the, the risk and benefits of higher versus lower oxygenation targets or oxygen supplementation levels in acutely ill patients to be used in the planning of our randomized control trials, trial which became the, the hot ICU trial, as you mentioned before. Excellent. Now, there's a lot of discussion over whether too much or too little supplemental oxygen can lead to negative outcomes. Can you please discuss some of these possible adverse effects that people worry about with too much or too little oxygen? Uh, yes, I, I believe this is actually an ex excellent question. Um, the balance between the risk of hypoxemia and, and, and tissue hypoxia and the, uh, the possible side effects of hyperoxemia seems to be the crux of the matter here because, because um, physicians are very well aware of the risk of patients being too low in oxygen saturation uh, with, with the failure of oxidative phosphorylation, a shift to anaerobic metabolism, and ultimately uh, cellular death. Uh, we've all seen that in, in clinical practice. And therefore, we have probably supplemented uh, oxygen uh, fairly liberally. Uh, however, hyperoxemia also comes with a with, uh, 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 risk of adverse events. Uh, oxygen is uh, inherently toxic. Uh, for instance, when you exposed ma expose all mammals to 100% oxygen, they die, uh, typically within a range of one to, to four days. Um, so it is a, a highly toxic molecule, um, and the side effects are primarily mediated, with the mediated by the formation of uh, reactive oxygen species. And these free oxygen radicals are formed primarily in the lungs because uh, they are the, uh, the organ that receive the highest concentration of oxygen. However, may be formed actually in all parts of the body if if, if we have high levels of uh, oxygen tension in the tissue, and it's it's directly linked to the to the PO2 in the mitochondria, as it is a side product of, of oxidative phosphorylation. Um, furthermore, we know that hyperoxemia in all tissues uh, except in the lungs and in the placenta it causes uh, hyperoxemic vasoconstriction. And this means that when we supplement oxygen to relieve, for instance, a circular uh, deficit of oxygenation like in myocardial infarction, uh, we actually risk inducing uh, hyperoxemic vasoconstriction and thus uh, constricting the, the collaterals that should have supplied the suffering tissue uh, with, with oxygen now that we have a blood clot. Um, and therefore, we may actually uh, induce further cellular damage uh, than we would have uh, if, if we hadn't increased the oxygen supplementation uh, in the body. body. So, so formation of reactive oxygen species, hyperoxemic vasoconstriction, 
and uh, then of course absorption atelectasis. It has been shown several times in especially perioperative patients that with higher uh, fractions of inspired oxygen, we get higher formation of atelectasis. And this is because when we when we uh, remove the nitrogen and, and put in oxygen instead, there's no gas left to keep the alveoli open after the blood has has uh, absorbed the uh, the oxygen, and therefore the risk of alveoli collapsing is is larger when receiving 100% oxygen than when receiving 21%. Of oxygen that's in the atmosphere. And this is especially prominent above an FiO2 of, of 0.6. Um, however, the problem with all of these side effects are that we do not know how relevant they are in, in clinical practice as opposed to the risk of, of uh, suffering from uh, tissue hypoxia due to uh, hypoxemia. So the balance between hypoxemia and hyperoxemia uh, and, and the risk that comes with both is actually the, uh, the big question here. Uh, where should we, where, which cutoff is, is relevant? Um, the last thing that most people find uh, to, be, to be quite definitive in relation to oxygen supplementation is that when you give too much oxygen to patients with uh, chronic pulmonary diseases like chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, uh, you get a risk of hypercapnia or induce uh, further hypercapnia in already hypercapnic patients. Uh, this is due to um, ventilation perfusion mismatch and or uh, hypoxemic uh, respiratory drive and possibly a little bit from the so-called Haldane effect. However, with this uh, hyperoxic hypercapnia, um, we do not know how important this is in clin clinical practice, especially not in a monitored uh, setting like the ICU or the emergency department, as we are basing all of our, our evidence on, on uh, pre-hospital studies primarily. Um, so overall, where the cutoff lies in clinical practice, which is more harmful to our patients, we really do not know. Uh, and that's exactly the, the problem with, uh, with, with the adverse events related to hyperoxia and uh, hypoxemia as well. Yeah. Perfect. Now, can you please explain for our listeners the findings from prior studies done on hyperoxemia and mortality, and then your resultant hypothesis from those prior studies? Yeah, <clears throat> certainly, uh, and thank you for, for asking me. Um, when we designed the study, uh, there were, of course, uh, several studies in various subpopulations, both individual studies and, and also a few meta-analysis already conducted that, uh, that, that had shown associations or indeed causal links between hyperoxemia and increased mortality or other uh, negative adverse events. Uh, for instance, as I said before, formation of atelectasis, myocardial infarction size, size um, occurrence of, of septic shock or pneumonia, and in fact, also risk of, of uh, cancer reoccurrence. Um, however, no large uh, meta-analysis of exclusively randomized clinical trials have been conducted at that point. So we only knew 
for some subpopulations that there were a problem, uh, but not for the overall population and for the overall question of higher versus lower levels of oxygen supplementation in, in general. And therefore, we, um, we, we, we planned this um, meta-analysis and hypothesized that higher oxygenation strategies were associated with increased mortality and number of, of serious adverse events. Now, can you please discuss your findings on the different outcomes in your meta-analysis? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, we, we conducted a quite thorough meta-analysis um, screening more than 60,000 titles, uh, which became 35,000 after duplicate removal. And, uh, and in the search, we found 50 randomized clinical trials, including 21,000 patients. Um, and, and 19,000 in the mortality analysis. So that's quite, quite a lot of patients that had actually been randomized. And we investigated two co-primary outcomes being uh, mortality at the time point closest to 90 days uh, and uh, uh, occurrence of serious adverse events um, as defined by the, uh, the, um, the International Conference of harmonization, uh, good clinical practice uh, definition. Um, and we overall found no difference in mortality and no difference in SAE occurrence. And the point estimates were extremely close to uh, to 1.0 being 0.98 for the risk ratio point estimate of, uh, of higher versus lower oxygenation targets um, in the mortality analysis. And, and similar in the SAE occurrence analysis. So, so no difference overall. Um, and also in our secondary outcomes, which included uh, quality of life, lung injury, uh, sepsis, or cardiovascular events all being predefined, uh, we found no difference uh, in, in the um, analysis uh, as well as in the subpopulations, uh, which we also included uh, several of. Uh, so overall, we can say that we, we didn't find any any uh, evidence of, of benefit or harm from higher or lower oxygenation levels, oxygenation targets in acutely ill patients admitted to the hospital. Um, however, most of our point estimates seem to draw a little bit towards the lower oxygenation target side, uh, that it may be, may be better, but that's in no way significant. Um, yeah. Now, in your trial or your meta-analysis, you included trials that assessed a higher versus lower oxygenation strategy. But was there heterogeneity in the acute illnesses that patients were actually being treated for? And if so, how do you think that that may have affected your results? Um, <clears throat> this is, in fact, a quite excellent question because this is a very broad review and this means that there is rather extreme um, heter heterogeneity in both the population and the setting as we include patients without hypoxemic respiratory failure like patients with, with acute stroke or myocardial infection 
admitted to general wards, uh, as well as patients resuscitated from cardiac arrest, uh, receiving invasive mechanical ventilation, and patients with hypoxic respiratory failure admitted to the ICU. So there's definitely a large heterogeneity in both population and, and setting. Um, also, we included both trials that randomized patients pre-hospitally before admission to the, the hospital and uh, patients in the hospital, uh, as well as, as uh, surgical patients and, and non-surgical patients, of course, as well. Um, I think of most importance, uh, the fact that we both included uh, hypoxemic patients uh, with some degree of respiratory failure, as well as trials in, in defin definitively non-hypoxemic patients, for instance, patients with, with uh, acute stroke, uh, is an issue because uh, supplementing a stroke patient with with 100% of oxygen is definitely not the same as targeting some level of of either high normal or low normal oxygenation in a patient with uh, acute uh, hypoxemic respiratory failure. And this may, of course, have affected the results because when you pool this uh, heterogeneic population of patients, um, you, you in, in some way compare apples and oranges a little bit. So it's, it's hard to, to get a final conclusion. This will always draw the, uh, the results towards uh, no difference, probably. But still, we believe that's a relevant study to conduct because if we could identify and verify our hypothesis, uh, it would say that we need to be about, uh, cautious about how much oxygen we supplement our patients, um, which we, of course, did not find, though, but uh, we'll probably get back to that. But that was the, the, how it would, may have affected the results with a large heterogeneity in the population. Now, one limitation of the study was that the included trials did not use the same definition of a higher versus lower oxygenation strategy. Can you discuss that difference and how that may have affected your studied outcomes? Well, yes, uh, thank you. Um, I think this is perhaps even more important question than the, than the one related to the uh, heterogeneity of the subpopulations. In the, in the trial, in the study. Um, and it's very important to be aware in this kind of meta-analysis what we are actually testing. testing. And given the large differentiation of oxygenation strategies um, where some trials are randomizing patients to nocturnal oxygen two liters per minute uh, by nasal cannula, and other trials are randomizing patients to 100% of oxygen during mechanical ventilation in the ICU for 24 hours. There's a huge difference between the actual intervention that is, is supplied here, uh, where the control group sometimes are actually higher in, in some studies than the intervention group as the high oxygenation group in, in other, other trials. So, so this is definitely a, a, a limitation and, and it means that we have to be cautious in how we interpret this kind of results, these kind of results. Um, in my opinion, 
a significant result would never uh, yield a specific target range that could be targeted in clinical practice, and as it's very hard to deduct, deduct the optimal oxygenation target range for such various strategies as included in, in this kind of meta-analysis. Um, nevertheless, uh, we still believe that any results are relevant in, in the overall picture of, of our evidence level regarding oxygenation in acutely ill patients. Yeah. Now, you stated that the certainty of the evidence in your study is low to very low. Can you please explain how you reached that conclusion and what implications that may have for the need for further work in this area? Yeah, definitely. I think this is a very interesting question which goes into the uh, the whole issue about when to downgrade uh, a level of evidence. And it, it is quite fundamental in, in guideline uh, making and in, in meta-analysis overall. Um, we choose to downgrade uh, due to bias, also in our so-called low bias group, uh, and this was primarily due to lack of blinding. Um, and this, this we did even though we know that it is, uh, with today's practice, virtually impossible to blind uh, oxygenation targets or oxygen supplementation levels because we have uh, continuous peripheral oxygen monitoring, which acutely ill patients all uh, receive, and we have uh, we have arterial blood gas samplings, and of course there is also the the clinical observations of the patients. So 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 one could say that it's actually impossible to uh, to make a, a trial that has low bias in relation to blinding this subject. But nevertheless, our opinion is that even though it's not possible to blind, uh, that does not remove the uh, bias associated with not blinding, blinding the intervention. So therefore, one should still downgrade, uh, although this means that we may never get strong evidence in, in fields like this uh, unless somebody make uh, some brilliant way of conducting an actually double-blinded trial in, in the area. Uh, but but I don't I don't think you can you can deviate from from downgrading due to the bias just because it's not possible to uh, to conduct the trial uh, with blinding. Um, secondarily, we we downgraded due to uh, indirectness simply because of the uh, differences, especially in the interventions uh, received uh, throughout the very various patient populations, and therefore we ended up with uh, with uh, a low rating for the so-called uh, high quality uh, low bias uh, results and a very low rating for the uh, for the high bias results. Uh, so that's that's the reason. And uh, the implications for further research is that we need more high-quality data, as simple as it is. Um, of course, we may not ever get blinded data on this subject, but all other bias parameters should be able to, to conduct uh, and, and, and to minimize bias in. So, yeah, I think that's it. Great. Your study results conflict with those of the systematic review done by two and colleagues that actually found an increased mortality with higher oxygenation strategies. Can you explain why you think you got different results from that study? 
Um, well, yes, definitely. Uh, it is, of course, highly interesting that we uh, we did not confirm the findings in the IOTA study by by Chu and colleagues, uh, given that our design are very similar to the is very similar to the design they used. Uh, there are only small differences, um, and they concluded that strong evidence supported lower or conservative oxygenation strategies, where we found uh, definitively no difference in the strategies used. Um, the primary reason for this, however, is simply that that a lot of trials has been published have been published since uh, the uh, the meta analysis by Chu and colleagues. Um, we included 50 trials in all, with 36 trials delivering data, whereas they included only 25 trials at, at that time. Uh, and therefore, we have 11 trials more, and some of these are quite large, with the ICU ROCKS trial from Australia and New Zealand being one of the large trials in the area, um, which weighted uh, quite high in the analysis and, and drew the results towards uh, the opposite direction uh, than was identified in the, in the study by Chu et al. Um, this does not mean that um, that that we can conclude that the previous publications publications represent chance findings or that there's anything wrong with the uh, with the meta analysis by Chu and colleagues as it is in fact quite similar to our analysis. Um, it's probably just that whereas previous studies primarily investigated. Uh, definitive hyperoxemia with oxygenation levels far above the normal reference range. The, uh, the latter uh, trials conducted uh, are more um, investigating what we could call high normal versus low normal uh, oxygenation target uh, ranges. And of course, uh, this may not yield uh, identical results, and therefore we, we get a result that is not as definitive as it seemed in the uh, in the trial, in the study by by Chu and colleagues, so that's that's the reason I believe. Of course, we also have a power of ninety percent, where they used a power of eighty percent, which we believe is too little. And nevertheless, this did uh, really did not matter, as as our uh, point estimates are uh, more or less right on, on one point zero. So uh, decreasing the power would not have made any differences. Um, yeah. Finally, we included COPD patients in our analysis. Again, this would tend to draw the result towards uh, low oxygenation targets being better, uh, one would think, and one can see from the included trials. Uh, so this is not the reason either, as that would support uh, Chu and, uh, and colleagues' uh, conclusion. Um, but primarily the occurrence of, of more data in the shape of larger trials that has been conducted since have been conducted since, yeah. Um, and what do you see as future steps for this research? Well, um, we need to, to, as I said before, um, we, need, we need to conduct uh, more trials. Uh, I think uh, it's important that we, that we try separate levels of oxygenation and oxygen supplementation in various subpopulations and try to minimize the bias as best as possible. Uh, however, given the ubiquity of the intervention, 
changes in relative risks below 50%, which is the level that we can refute is present in our in our trial sequential analysis, is is still clearly relevant since even huge numbers needed to treat to obtain a benefit are relevant with such a, such a used intervention as oxygen supplementation is. Um, also, however, the uh, for some specific subpopulations already, the uh, the evidence has become better. Um, the first trial in specific ARDS population from from Roque-Barreau, the local two trial was published after we conducted our our meta analysis, and this actually quite surprisingly uh, showed uh, a harmful effect of low oxygenation targets. But it was a very, very small, small study, so probably not too definitive. Um, but more, more studies definitely are needed. Dr. Schering, if you could give our listeners a closing thought on what you've learned from your experiences in this study, what do you want them to take away from this discussion? Well, I think um, the the most important. Uh, Finding is that that this is still an unresolved issue. Uh, oxygenation targets are still a matter of debate. Um, however, clearly, oxygen being a drug with potential side effects, and and although cur cur current evidence does not support neither a liberal or restrictive approach, oxygen supplementation is still an intervention. So, so as doctors, we should try to limit the use of ineffective. Interventions, with which we have also in some way shown it to be here, uh, and therefore the currently propagated restrictive oxygenation targets are probably sensible from a, a minimal intervention strategic point of view. Um, however, uh, I would await uh, more data in the shape of, of larger trials in, in more subpopulations before making any decisive conclusions on the matter. I think that's the most important uh, finding in, in our study, that uh, we don't know as much as uh, are currently being, being, being concluded uh, in general. Well, thank you so much for that. A big thank you to Dr. Schering for a great conversation, and a big thank you to our chess community for joining us. I'm Gretchen Winter, and this is a chess podcast. Until next time. <laughs>